You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, it's great to be together. Uh, we are a family, as uh, Steve said, and it's always great. Even though I've been doing this for a long time, I still get nervous when I get up and preach. So I get a little nervous, so please pray for me as I speak. But uh, we are a family. It's great uh, to be together. I appreciate Danny, uh doing the welcome today, and uh, I appreciate her spirit and not being, uh, what, in the spirit of nepotism, so she introduces everybody, but her parents, her parents are here. The Pete's are here from Arizona. I'd like to welcome them uh, to be here as well. And uh, we are family, so when I first got up and I was kind of nervous, I was in the back milling around a little bit, and I stuck on a Kurt looking for encouragement, and I said, hey, Kurt, I feel a little nervous here. And uh, he goes, I, I always feel a little nervous when I speak. And Kirk said, uh, yeah, I always feel a little nervous when you speak, too. <laughs> so I don't know if that's encouragement. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Uh, but it, it is great. So I, 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 mean, I grew up with four brothers and three sisters, so it's, it's par for the course. Um, but having said that, we are family. Uh, this past week, uh, Andrew Herrera uh, went through an episode where he collapsed. And uh, it was on Thursday morning. And he was um, evacuated to, uh, transported to Cedar Sinai. And it's a very heart, serious heart condition. And he's going to have a, um, a uh, operation, an open heart operation on Tuesday. So I know a lot of us have been praying for them, Linda and Eliezer, but I'd like to continue to do that. And uh, at this time, I think what they really need is they need some space to, to really just gather, think, and prepare as they get ready for uh, Andrew's operation on Tuesday. And I want to share a little story today about that as well as we go into the message about the healing of the official son. And I was really convicted and inspired by what God has done even through this episode as well. But let's say a prayer. Father, we're so grateful to you. Uh, God, so thankful, God, to be together. Uh, God, it's not easy to come up and to speak and to really lay out what's on your hearts. And I appreciate all those who... Make the effort, and Gwendolyn and Mark coming up here, and just really share vulnerably about uh, their faith and their journey. God, in our journey, God, it's tough. Uh, God, there are things that go on that are unexpected. Uh, we've never thought last week that Andrew, who's a healthy 16-year-old boy, would collapse, uh, God, and, uh, and be transported and having an emergency uh, heart operation in a couple of days. Uh, God, we do pray for that. Uh, God, we pray that your hand will be at work with the surgeon, that you really help uh, the, Asia, the the Herrera family to really trust in you. And God, easier said than done. Like, I don't know uh, what that means uh, really personally, but I pray that you be with them as only you can. Thank you so much for our family here that have rallied around them, and they certainly feel love, and they feel uh, the blessing of being in, in your family, God, as well. But Father, I really pray, I really pray that this Tuesday... Uh, just that everything will go well, that uh, you have the best surgeon, you have the best doctors, you have the best nurses there that will care for him, and that uh, he will come out of this uh, uh, just just doing well after the surgery as well, and heal properly and completely also. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, we've been doing a series called The Good News, and we're talking about the seven signs that Jesus performed in the book of John. But the reality of it is that Jesus performed many other miracles as well. And the point of that is to do what? To point us to him being the son of God. I know for me, I didn't come from 
a Christian background. I grew up Buddhist, and I was really searching when I was in college. I wanted to know who God was. And in Buddhism, I found some great philosophies. I found some great uh, self-help, if you will, and just really thinking about things that I think are useful as well. But I was always yearning to find out who is God? What is the meaning of my relationship with God? And not just me going through and having this great life here or figuring out some things. So when I studied the Bible, I wanted to know who this Jesus was because he's such a pivotal person in scriptures, right? Because all the scriptures point towards who Jesus is and was. And that was what I thought about. So for me, studying the Bible, I didn't have a problem with the signs and the miracles because I thought, well, if he is God, then naturally it follows that he's going to have these powers. But what I found as we talk more and more about this passage is that there is something that is even greater than the signs that he performed. They perform, he performed these signs to really have a function, right? To do what? To point people towards him. And we're going to study out the scriptures today and to see why he was kind of hesitant in doing these miracles. And us being in 2019, obviously we don't see these miracles that Jesus did. And we're called to even have a deeper faith in what? And that's what we're going to look at today. The good news. I want to set this up a little bit and take a survey around the Middle East and take a survey. We're going to be focusing on John chapter 4. But as Kenny preached last week about the Jesus being an expert winemaker and, you know, turning water into wine, I want to set up this, this uh, talk today. The good news. As uh, last week, uh, Kenny talked about Jesus changing water into wine. Uh, it was big news, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus went out, he went to his wedding, they ran out of wine, and he performs this miracle. And then, what else did he do? He goes to Jerusalem, and he overturns their uh, their table, and their their traditions, and their institution. So here's his hometown boy, he goes and he does this. It's like Kenzie. But he does that every day. Kenzie goes to <laughs> Culver City and overturns stuff and, you know, preaches the word and, you know, convicts all the teachers and stuff like that, right? So that's what Jesus did. Here's a hometown guy going to a big city and just turning things upside down. He schools Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Here's his big time religious leader. Here's his hometown guy, Jesus, going in and he schools him. And Jesus was, uh, you know, he, he, Nicodemus was so afraid that he came to him at night. And then here's something that was pretty scandalous. What did he do? Not only did he talk to a woman, but what did he do? He talked to a Samaritan woman. Jesus broke the color barrier. He broke the racial barrier. Where Jesus is just, I mean, this is John 4. I mean, we haven't even gone through. This is just like John 4 and he did all this. And it's pretty amazing. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the series as well. Okay? So he meets John the Baptist. And John was the guy that was preparing the way for him. And this is all the first four chapters. This popular preacher testified about Jesus and his followers. John's follower was really devoted to John. But when Jesus came around, what did they do? John encourages them and had no problem with them following Jesus. Because what did John do? His whole life's goal was to do what? To point people towards Jesus the Messiah. That's what made John great. It's one thing to have power, 
But it's another thing to relinquish that power for something that is even greater. That's the greatness of John. Now John says, beyond that, he's a great guy. John, what did John say? John says he's actually the Messiah. He's the one that history has been pointing to in all of the Old Testament and all of the prophecies and stuff pointed towards Jesus. And the last column there says Jesus now attracts even the Samaritans. Now this is as Steve said earlier, this is a global movement. This is not Anglo-Saxon. This is not North America. As a matter of fact, counter to some belief, Christianity did not start in North America. Actually, Jesus was probably Arabic. I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was Middle Eastern. He doesn't look like, you know, Max Van Sydow or whatever, you know, blue eyed guys. I mean, he was, he was Middle Eastern. I'm looking around to see who he looked like, you know. Um, Maybe Christian Cordova, maybe he looks like Christian Cordova. I don't know. But he wasn't, he wasn't a white guy walking around. Okay? So that's the good news. He wasn't a white guy walking around. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Scandalous! So today we're going to talk about Jesus healing a royal official's son, and the subtext of that is what? The power of his word. The power of Jesus' word. We're going to pick up in John chapter 4, and we're going to get a little bit of a lay of the land here before we go back. John chapter 4 says, After two days he left for Galilee. Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. This scripture is a little bit fascinating. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at Passover festival, for they had been there. Seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Number one, Jesus was the one that pointed out, says, hey, look, there is no honor of people of their own hometown. Ah, I know you. I know your sins. I know your past. I know who you are. You're not supposed, you're not great. Right? We tend to do that even today, right? There's an old phrase that says, a prophet is someone who actually lives a hundred miles away. Okay? So when you're too close to something, people know you. Aren't you? They even insulted him. They said, you know, at first they said, isn't this John? Isn't this, you know, the carpenter's son? And then when they got really mad at him, what did they say? They said, isn't that Mary's son? What? Insinuating that he was illegitimate. Okay, so there's a nastiness in even in our own hometown. But yet the Bible says what? The Galileans welcomed him. So it seems like a contradiction. So what's the contradiction? Here's the contradiction is what all the stuff that we read earlier, which was Jesus had made a name for himself as this dude that went into Jerusalem to kick some bottoms. Can I say that at church? I just did. But anyway, anyway, he went there and just really, you know, beat up some folks. Right? He does this miracle. So they are like, he's the man. Right? And yet, Jesus was hesitant about that. He says, I'm not honored. So that signals to us that there is something amiss. Something is wrong. Something is not, it's not, it's not, it's not working. It's not, it's, it's the wrong thing. Okay? And Jesus was talking about something even greater. That the honor that he wants, it's greater than just mere popularity. You know, it speaks to our generation today, right? We want that, right? We see someone who wins an, you know, an award or something like that. We celebrate that person for that moment. We see something great. You know, we want even to church. We come to church. We want that experience. I hear that a lot these days. 
We want the, the emotional experience. We want the worship experience. And yet sometimes through that, we miss something that's even more important than that. And that's exactly what the scripture is talking about. And I want to challenge us today in a good way to really think about what's really important to us in our faith. To see things that God is doing that are ostensibly from faith or do we want to see something that is so deep and so welling up inside our hearts that no matter what happens in our faith, no matter what is thrown at us, we're going to be faithful to God. So here's some, you know, a couple pictures of where he was and, you know, that area. You know what's amazing about Jesus? You don't have to be a rock star. You don't have to be a jet setter to change the world. In Jesus' ministry, his, his radius was about 200 miles around. That's all. That's, that's how far he traveled. 200 mile dist- distance from, from where he was. And the cool thing about Jesus was that what? I mean, that's, that's like, gosh, and that's how far we travel every day on a commute. You know, it's like, it's, I mean, he was just a local guy preaching the word. And that's good news for us. You know, we think we have to do these things that are extraordinary to make a difference. No, we don't. We don't even have to go outside of L.A. County to, to do amazing things. I know it's a little bit small, but Jesus, when he started his ministry, here's the good news for the singles, he moved out of his house and he moved to Capernaum, okay? That's, 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 that's one little point, okay? So move out of your mother's house, go to Capernaum, especially when you want to change the world. But you can stay home, too, if you save some money. All right, so that whole area there is where Jesus operated. Point number one. Jesus hesitates. Okay? He hesitates. In the pressure cooker of people wanting him to do all these miracles, give me some signs. Give me some manifestation of who you are. Then I'll believe. He hesitates and he resists that temptation. And if you read the Bible carefully, he's very selective in what he does with his miracles. He's very selective, and it's almost like he hesitated. Even when he changed water into wine, there was an angst about him. You remember last week? He's like, why why bother me with this? Because he knew that once he started, there was no point of return for him. So I think there are multi-different uh, different things that he was feeling, okay? But he hesitates. Look what the Bible says. It says, once more he visited Cana and Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judah, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people (laughs) see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. It's kind of like this man, his son is sick, dying. He comes to Jesus and it's almost like Jesus insults him. Right, and it's like he—he he, you can feel Jesus is like, ugh, almost like this is all you want from me. You ever have friendships like that, where it's one way, and so he's like, you want things from me, but you don't want to know who I am, and you come to me when you're in need, but in other times you really don't. I think that's what God was feeling. I think that's how Jesus feels about our relationship with him sometimes. We don't take the time to really know who he is, but when we are in need, we come to him. And here's what was convicting this past week. I knew I was going to preach this, 
I knew that Andrew was in the hospital, and I didn't know the, the circumstances by that. And I was hesitant. I was telling Nina, I said, this is a tough passage to preach this week. Okay? Because this is kind of like what's going on. Here's the good news. I was so convicted. Me and Chuka went to visit um, the, uh, the Harreras yesterday. And I got up to the second floor, and I didn't know what to expect. And I talked to um, Eliezer. And Eliezer has got such great faith. I didn't go, you know, to see Andrew because he's resting. But Eliezer came out, and I was just a mess. And Eliezer came out and says, praise be to God. He says, I know he has this condition that he was born with a defective heart valve. Okay? And Eliezer was telling me how amazing that he's gone this far. 16 years. He shouldn't have gone this far. And it finally just collapsed on him. But here's the amazing thing that Eliezer told me. I was just blown away. Eliezer, Eliezer said that all the right things happen at the right time. The people that were there knew exactly what to do. Called the ambulance. The ambulance got there just in time. Got him going. And it's, 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 I mean, he's not out of the woods, but it's pretty amazing to me. That here I am coming into a situation where the Father is encouraging me with his faith about what God is doing. Pretty amazing stuff. You know, more than signs, Jesus was all that. Why was he so angst? Look at what the scripture says. Why did Jesus was so angst? At the beginning of John, John chapter 1, it says this. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. He's saying that I'm more than just a few tricks, guys. And uh, I love what I do. You know, I, uh, you know I, I'm going back to school and studying up missiology, the study of movements, of Christian movements throughout the world. It's, we live in a pretty exciting time where the global south is rising up. More missionaries are being sent from these areas than, than, than before. And it's pretty amazing. But yet... I remember this one phrase that this missionary to China said, and I'm not trying to be facetious, but it does show the human condition. All these people are becoming in China, and he says that, he says, that, yeah, it's, it's so tenuous, however. He says that there are only about two unanswered prayer away from leaving the faith altogether. I hope we're not like that. That is, we're two unanswered prayer away from not believing in God. And we're going to look at what's going to help us to not be like that. Amen? Amen. So we're missing out. We're looking for something, and yet that something is supposed to point us to something greater, but we stop short of really looking for what is greater. I was in New York this past week, and uh, I was there for a couple meetings, and, uh, you know, I get a pretty decent travel budget for foods. I, you know, took my colleague out for a really nice dinner in New York. New York is the mecca of food. It's awesome in the Manhattan. So we went to this really fancy, snazzy place. So we, we, we it wasn't my money, so I ordered a lot of food. And uh, we had a lot of leftovers. Like, we had, like, it was a really good leftover. It was, like, in a fancy little bag, you know. I was like, woo, you know. I was the only one, because they're so fancy. They don't care, but I have my little bag going out. I was so excited. So I got, yeah, I put it in my room. Yeah, I got my little refrigerator. I got Norwegian organic salmon, Okay. And then besides that, I had some leftovers for, uh, I had some uh, pasta, uh, lobster crab pasta. 
Okay. And that was the, that was like the second course, right? But but I had some I had some hors d'oeuvres that I had left over. This is how terrible it was. I had some hors d'oeuvres left over. It was white fish dipped, right? That's just to start off. So I was on my way from uh, from Manhattan to JFK, and uh, I was walking along. I was so excited, you know. I had like four hours before my flight. I was thinking about this all night. I'm gonna have this for lunch. I was walking by. This guy didn't have any food. He was sitting there. And I was like walking by. <laughs> Dog, you know why is he there? Why is he there? You know, root my day. So, uh, so I walked back. I gave it to him. I said, "Hey, are you hungry? Here's some food." And then I, I was explaining the menu. I was like, I was like the waiter. I was like, for the for the starters, you can have some fish white dip. And then your second course is some salmon. It's Norwegian. Uh, you know, it's fresh line line caught. You know, it's like line caught. Uh, organic wine card, you know, and then the third, you're going to get some pasta. Look at the little white chunks there. He looks at it and he was like, he was like, he didn't, it didn't elicit the same effect that I felt towards the food. All right. It just didn't. All right. So I'm walking out. I was like, hey, I want to take it back, dude. You know, I felt like that. And then he, he examined the food. He examined the food and he took it. I'm like, mm, you know. And then he goes, uh, you got a couple of bucks? I was so mad. I was so mad. So mad. So mad. Okay. So mad. But we're like that, right? We get something great from God. But we want this. We want a couple of bucks. Give me a couple of bucks. That's what we say to God sometimes, right? Give me a couple of bucks. Come on, show me some things. I think it hurts his feelings. I mean, the son of God, he was all that, but we want a couple of bucks. That's why he's hesitating. So today, in our world today, don't look for the cheap stuff. Gabby loves the Happy Meal. You know, it's like it's like, it's like those little toys. Like, Gabby, why do you love? She did this incredible dance thing at her performance. I go, what do you want for dinner? Let's celebrate. McDonald's. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> she loves that Happy Meal, you know? I was like, hey, it's fine. But we're grown-ups, okay? Let's not put up with some Happy Meals in our spirituality. <laughs> Amen? Point number two. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus accommodates. He's angst, but he accommodates. All right? He says, once more he visited Canaan and Galilee, where he had turned water into wine into... Uh, is that the right? Where a certain royal official had uh, been sick in Capernaum, when the man heard that... Did I read this already? Okay, let's move on. All right. I think it got jumbled somewhere. Uh, my fault. Okay? So who was this guy? That Jesus accommodated, right? Well, some people say that his name was not Chuka, but uh, Cruza. Okay, Chuza, Chuza. Okay, he was the royal official that uh, his wife became Jesus' attendant and really helped Jesus out. Some people say that that's him. He was the, you know, the, the original language was that he was the king's attendant. Okay, so Chuza, the king's attendant. Some people say it's him. Okay, not sure. We don't know. He was the attendant to King uh, Herod Antipas, the same guy who beheaded Jesus. Uh, beheaded, not Jesus, John the Baptist. Okay? So he beheaded John the Baptist. What? What is this? A new teaching. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> sorry. God, carry. I was still thinking about my whitefish and uh, uh, wine cod. Still thinking about that. Okay, so that's, that's a little background there. But Jesus accommodates this guy. Okay? He says... He, he insults this guy, and this guy says, the royal official says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus says, 
your son will live. I appreciate it about God. He accommodates us, doesn't he? Even though our faith is imperfect, as imperfect as it is, he accommodates us. I know what goes on in my heart. I know what all the evil that lurks in there, all the fear and all the doubts that I have, and all the insults that I give to God, yet he still accommodates. I think that's pretty cool. And then, so I know we started out by portraying Jesus as angst, and I think he was, okay? And I hope it actually even helps us a little bit to see a, 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 a total picture of who God is, that he's not what we think he is. We think that he's Santa Claus or something like that. He's, he's, he's angst, okay, in our relationship with him. But yet he still loves us, and he accommodates what we need. I know some of us are studying the Bible. I know that some of us are hanging on to our faith. I want to encourage you that Jesus is willing to work with us. This guy, even though he was, I, I appreciate this guy, even though he was insulted probably, he doesn't care. And parents, that's, a, that's what parents are. They don't care. They care about their kids. They don't care if they're insulted. They don't care about all the pains that they go through. They care about their kids, and God cares about them as well. And God says, I, I see your hearts. I appreciate your heart. Your son will live. He didn't ask Jesus to go with him. Jesus didn't say, I'll go with you. Your son will live. Just his words. Just his words. And that is significant for us today. Because we don't have the physical manifestation of who Jesus is. Right? But what we do have is more important than that. What is that? His words. His words. Point number three. The official reciprocates. Jesus hesitates, right? He accommodates, and the official reciprocate. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still a long ways off, his servant met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as the time to which his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the seventh hour. The fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming to Judea. The official reciprocates. And he finally got it. He finally got it. Taking Jesus at, uh, you know, uh, at his word. How much do we invest in reading God's word? I appreciate what Steve talked about. How much do we invest in getting to know God's word? I think sometimes we rely way too much on our personality. Sometimes we rely way too much on the Sunday sermons, on stuff instead of really sitting down and cracking up the Bible and really finding answers from God's word. He took Jesus at his word. And get this. It's about 22 miles from where he was to Capernaum, where he met Jesus. It would make sense that he would double back right right away to go and see his son. If you notice something, he did not. He waited the night to go back home. When we trust God, there is that confidence that is in us. 
that we don't fret, that we don't get, you know, our faith shaken because of two, quote-unquote, unanswered prayers, right? He took his time. This dude took his time. He waited until the next day before he headed home, and he asked the question, and he says, it was the same time that Jesus said it was going to happen. Get this, how powerful Jesus is, his word. It did what? It transported through time and space. Whether it's 20 miles or it's 2,000 miles, whether it's 35 AD or it's 2019 AD, doesn't matter. Jesus' words works. Amen? And the guy believed. The guy believed. I got a minute and 27 seconds. I want us to read the passage together. I I don't have any slides. I want us to crack open up our Bibles and read the passage together. Okay? In John, as we close on out. You know, I appreciate my wife. I was thinking about the story, about the word and how important the word is. You know, when my wife became a Christian, her parents didn't appreciate it. And uh, they kidnapped her. I know this sounds weird, and it is. You know, for you guys, really, like, what happened? My parents, my 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 parents and my parent-in-laws are pretty extreme people. They take matters into their own hands. And over the years, we have to realize it's because they love her. They love Lena, and they thought that she was getting into something bad, which is Christianity, and they kidnapped her. And I appreciate my wife being faithful. And I asked her, "How did you get through that?" They locked her up for like a week and a half with with guards, like big old guards in a house in L.A. And I appreciate my wife. My wife says, it's the word of God. I just remember scriptures. They were trying to, they were trying to, you know, just do all these things to me psychologically, but I just remember scriptures and it got me through it. I appreciate my wife. And poor parents, they didn't even know the worst was to come. The worst thing wasn't Lena becoming a Christian. The worst thing was marrying me. I mean, I was like, I was like, ah! You know, they couldn't do it anymore. So, it's the word. It's the word of God. Okay? All right, John, as we close on out. Now Thomas, in John chapter 20. He says, now Thomas, in verse 24, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger when the nails are the, where, uh, where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And here's the summary statement of the book of John at the end. Usually he puts a summary statement at the beginning, but puts it at the end. Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that they may believe that Jesus is Messiah, Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. More than just a few tricks, life in his name. One last passage. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I've always loved this passage because it shows me how powerful the word of God is. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says concerning this salvation that we just read about, the prophets who spoke the grace that was to come to you, search intently with the greatest care. Search. Took the time. Trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who have been preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Get this. Get this. As we close on up. And I want to I wanna challenge us to get deeper in the word. We got Nick Zola coming. Okay? In a couple weeks. But don't wait for Nick Zola coming to go, oh, he's going to open up our eyes. Oh, you're so cool. Read the word. I'm telling you, it makes me mad. We have so much technology today. We have so many resources today. And we don't crack open the word. Get this. How was my fake anger? Was that pretty good? No, just kidding. It says, even the angels... Long to look into these things. You know who the angels are? Powerful. Smarter than any of us. Long to look into these words. Come on. If these angels long to look in these words, how about us? Amen. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.